How's it going? You know what I was just realizing? No. Um, <laughs> I was realizing that we've neglected to say our names at the beginning of either of our podcasts for a while. Yeah, we've really just started to be like, yeah, we're just with our friends. Everybody knows us. Hello. <laughs> I think probably most people won't pick up on season three of a podcast about a book series. But I suppose on the odd chance that maybe they hated the first and second book but loved the third one, we could introduce ourselves. Yeah, and it, you know, it's it doesn't hurt to just say, like, who we are. And uh, it's like inviting someone into our home. Hi, how are you? Hi, that's Matt. <laughs> and that's N. That's us. That's us, and that's you. And that's all, folks. And that's all. <laughs> and that's life. Frank Sinatra? Is that Frank Sinatra? Yeah. I don't... What song is it? Sing it for me. That's Life. It goes, That's life. So they say. Something, something. Go back in May. I don't know. You know. Leave in April? Maybe. I don't know. I'm going to be freaked out if those are the lyrics, though, because I've never heard that song. What's it called? That's Life. As he goes, That's Life. life, In the background, it goes, That's Life. (laughs) Oh, yeah, look at that. The lyrics are, that's life, that's life in parentheses. Yeah. <gasps> Matthew, the what? lyrics are, that's what all the people say, you're writing high in April, shot down in May. I, okay, I good. had a text conversation with somebody the other day about how I am a music psychic. Because do you remember, <laughs> I sent a, a, a text message to, <laughs> I sent a text message to a group text saying this song samples another song help me identify what it is matt never responded because i thing. i tried and... i looked it up i'd have no idea what anyone was talking about i didn't hear any i, I heard like a, a tiny like a word that the guy said that sounded like oh that could be something but there, it didn't sound like familiar to me okay so either it was a song that sampled another song or was like really really similar or because what happened was I was listening to it and I was like, I know what's coming next. Like, I know where the melody is going to go this entire time, where the verses are going. And I had never heard the song before in my life. And I can guarantee you that because it's not even a song that I would have like heard in a grocery store because it's a pop song from Italy <laughs> in Italian, which just would not play anywhere in America that I would have like stumbled into. And so either it's a song that borrows from another song or I'm a music psychic. And this just lends evidence to that theory because I something I got April. Okay, two things. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two things here. <laughs> One, somehow you think you're the Sylvia Brown of music, and I Yes. I don't know how to how to <laughs> respond to that. Two why don't you tell us the name of the song and the artist, and maybe one of our listeners oh. can help us with this. <gasps> okay. The artist is Tiziano Ferro, um, and the song is called uh, Bala Por Me, I believe. Please help. <laughs> Bala Por Me, yes. B-A-L-L-A Por Me. Oh, wait. Nope. Pair <coughs> Me. 
Wait, what? Yeah. Okay. What's the final answer? So if you... <laughs> I still you don't go. know the name of the song. Listen. Bala... I just said it 15 times. Bala Per May. Okay. B-A-L-L-A Per May. Okay. Emmy. And the artist is Tiziano Ferro. And... Let let the let's let the audience decide. Is this a song that sounds like some other song, specifically in the chorus, or am I a music psychic? Sound off in the comments. Yeah, I, I will put this in the uh, in the episode description. I'll put a uh, maybe I can even find the link. I'll, maybe I'll put the YouTube link in the description. Oh, perfect. Yes, yeah, perfect. and see if people can help us out. If somebody identifies that it is another song, I will. I don't know. I'll send you a sticker or something. Oh, how cute. I'll send you a sticker. If you can identify another song that sounds like that song, I'll send you a sticker. <laughs> you heard it here. I oh, I was just going to say, I have still been playing Master of Magic from my childhood. Oh, yeah. I feel personally attacked by this new trend that computers and video game systems are doing where they tell you how many hours you've been playing something oh i know i don't i i don't need that information doesn't make me feel better that is not new that's not a new trend it's uh, that's like playstation one that's like playstation one they started telling you well listen (laughs) it's new to nintendo systems and it's also on the steam program Mm. okay (laughs) i'm sure I fully just made myself sound like a 70-year-old person by being, it's on the Steam system. The Steam. I'm sure that's not how the youth would refer to it. But <laughs> I have started to get BuzzFeed articles that are like top f- 15 relatable tweets for I- people in their 40s. And it's like a sponsored thing. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, fuck you, advertisement. <laughs> I'm not 40 yet. They're just getting Pretty me close, prepared. Though. And some of the tweets were funny, but I gave up. <laughs> so did they. So yeah, anyway, so um, I've been playing a lot of that, and I've been playing way too much of it, as the system reminded me. Who says what's too much? You Although... know what? And maybe, here's one thing. I understand why they would do it, because I think some people want to be like, I beat the game in this amount of time. Like, I, here's the thing that shows I played it for two hours and I beat it. Yeah. But at some point... It's just like telling somebody how many cupcakes they've had. Like, they know they've had too many cupcakes. They don't need you telling them. That's exactly right. That's absolutely true. Thank you. And, you know, I actually have my own, like, anxieties over that little (laughs) clock on the game, too, because I don't want the number to be astronomical, even, like, the chance of it. Who am I to to criticize you? Who are you? Who are you? Where are we? Where are we? We're at Cool Story, your favorite podcast. That's right. We are back. And I think now we've been around for more than a year by the time this episode comes out. That's right. How did we all celebrate the anniversary of our of our podcast? Yeah. How did you honor and recognize us? Tell us. Send yeah. an email. Send an email our way. Speaking of uh, feedback. It doesn't... <laughs> just send an email. It doesn't have to be to us. Yeah, send an email to anybody. Tell your... F- really, honestly, you should tell all of your friends how you celebrated our anniversary. That would actually be helpful. I mean, I know that you didn't celebrate. I'm joking. I know you didn't celebrate our anniversary, but I mean, it would be helpful if you told all your friends about how cool our podcast is. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind yeah. that. Um, I was gonna say, speaking of feedback, I don't. Did we talk about our most recent review on Cool Story? Uh, no. Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> their uh, <laughs> their name is Joseph Rosef, and this is <laughs> I love that. I know I love it. The first review of 2021, also, 
So they wrote... <laughs> Good job, Joseph Rosef. Thank you. Thank you, Joseph Rosef. I like their title. I don't know if it cut off, if it cuts off on Apple Podcasts. So I don't know if their like title is longer, because there's an ellipsis. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it says, fun and sometimes insightful, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. Sometimes. I would agree. <laughs> I mean really oh, and they boy, wrote that is funny i know i love it uh they wrote love and and matt they've got a fantastic podcast on their hands i've burned through the first two seasons in a little over a week and i'm waiting for season three to begin which we are here now they wrote for which i will never forgive them uh seriously though if you're a new reader or a veteran there's so much to love here they're fun goofy sometimes insightful and sometimes outright hilarious Aww. uh if you're a you. wheel of time fan and are hunting for wheel of time related content this is the podcast you're looking for so thank you Aww, so much that's so nice right thank you yeah i put that like on a on my facebook <laughs> my little introduction fun and sometimes insightful i'm putting that on my like linkedin headline funny and sometimes insightful <laughs> that's literally like how i've survived work i have messages from our our friendly fact checking cheetah pythos triple kitty oh yay so hi pythos it's good hi. to hear from you again we haven't heard from you in a minute and i'm gonna choose to believe that that's because everything we said was correct not because you were busy <laughs> yes yes that's gotta be it we were just so on the money oh boy okay so um just a couple of uh little facts for us from previous episodes so sylvia brown died in 2013 and was actually indicted for fraud at one point. Did you know that? I didn't, but thank God. I mean, I'm not surprised, frankly. She pled no contest and got probation and 200 hours of community service. And <laughs> they wrote no word on whether Montel Jordan's show counts as community service. <laughs> uh they also said Master of Magic, the game I literally just mentioned, was originally released in 94, and Pythos agrees that it's excellent, so good taste. Mm -hmm. um, and a port for it was released to the PlayStation 1 in 1997. Oh, but only as a Japan exclusive release. Um. And then otherwise it's PC and probably won't be playable on the PS4, which I think, Matt, you might yeah, have mentioned trying just... to play that. Any other? Um, well, anything else from Pythos? Nothing else from Pythos. I said something funny on Twitter and the Wheel of Time, like actual TV show replied to me. Oh, oh my God, I know what it is. So you know how in the last episode, I think it was the last episode, we were talking about how Perrin and Moraine, their entire exchange is the Daenerys and Thor, like squinty oh, face at each other. Like, yeah, really. I saw that tweet. That I you put. jokingly. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tweeted what on prime and said that this was live footage and i really um appreciate how they trust me with such confidential information and they replied and uh, i don't i think we might have gotten some new listeners or followers out of that reply so thank you wheel of time on prime and i'm excited for your show and just a reminder for anybody who's listening when the show comes out matt and i are planning to do uh side quest episodes or something specific to the episodes as well yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I cannot wait. That's going to be even more Ooh. fun. Oh, yeah. And we talked about live streaming our reactions. That could be fun. <laughs> that could be fun. If I'm I'm praying that the show is amazing yeah. and not terrible. Uh, I, I think but it's going to be. if it is truly terrible, we will Mystery Science Theater 3000 the shit out of that. Absolutely. We won't miss an opportunity. But I do think it's going to be really good. Yeah. Me too. 
Should we do the thing we came here to do? The Macarena? Mm-hmm. I'm already mm-hmm. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready when you are. Okay, great. Um, well, you are the first chapter, so I think I'm ready when you are, really. Well, well last last we spoke, um, we were in chapter six. You know, we've had a lot of Perrin. And the chapter icon for chapter seven is the Flame of Tarvalon. And the title is The Way Out of the Mountains. And I was like, okay, I love Perrin. This is not a secret. But finally, <laughs> someone else. Because, you know, it's been a lot. And it's going to be an Aes Sedai. It's, it's been a lot of Perrin, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be an Aes Sedai. Maybe it's Moraine, finally. Or maybe we'll go back to where Nynaeve and Egwene are. So, drum roll. It's a Perrin chapter. Oh. Slide that. Can you do a drum roll? Um, not with my mouth. <laughs> what can you do a drum roll with, with Matt? Mozzarella sticks. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Perrin. Perrin. It's Perrin again, and I just can't. It's like enough. I need a new. I need you want you want a little variety. A little Who variety. do you want to hear from, Matt? I want to miss Perrin. I want to hear from oh. Egwene or or mm, mm-hmm, um, Nynaeve. Okay, those That's, are both great choices. Yeah, you know, just like a moment. Just a moment. Yeah, yeah. So last we were with them, they had split off, and it's now, I guess, just the four. So it's Perrin, Lan, Moraine, and Loyal. Uh, RJ writes, like, this really beautiful passage about how the shift in scenery is as they descend. Because remember last... One of my favorite things about the last chapters was like that snowy sort of how he captured that winter feeling. And now in this one, he kind of like we're transitioning out of that as they go down the mountain. And RJ writes, It's a new spring. Isn't that the name of the little um, prologue? Yeah. Yes. New spring. So. But it's it's unrelated. I said that like it meant something and it really didn't. (laughs) So RJ writes, uh, Hour by hour, they rode out of the tailings of winter and into the first days of spring. The last remnants of snow vanished and grasses and wildflowers, white maiden's hope and pink jump up, began to cover the high meadows they crossed. Trees appeared more often with more leaves and grass larks and robins sang in the branches. And I just thought, it's such a beautiful, like, just transition out. And it describes it really, like, succinctly more than I would have been able to. (laughs) It kind of feels like they're walking into a scene from Bambi. Like... (gasps) It's just so resplendent sounding. Exactly. I was just going to say something. Did you ever see, I don't think it's in Beauty and the Beast. I always think it is. Where there's like half winter and half like spring in the same scene. In be- like they do it like half spring, half winter. Like they're tra- like showing the passage of time or like there's actually spring and winter in the same space. In the same space, like delineated on the ground. Maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. I don't remember. I thought it was Beauty and the Beast, but I'm Pythos. not. <laughs> Yeah, someone Save helped us. me. I just loved this description because I like that sort of like, they're just going down the mountain and it feels like a totally different vibe already. And you can feel like everything <laughs> I, is changing. I have something to say. Oh no. Which is that when I was reading this, no, don't be alarmed. Okay. I just loved the name Jump Up to describe a flower. I thought that was, I don't know if there's a real flower that people call a Jump Up, but I if not, then it was... Like such, it's it's one of those things to me that is such a 
important element of like world building that it's not like those are daffodils those are like it's you're seeing that these like it's it allows him to contrast between different cultures within the world he's created by making these sort of uh, like names for flowers and things like that that aren't the names that we already know things as necessarily, which is not to say that the world doesn't have like oak trees or whatever. But I just love those kind of um, what's 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 something like you call like a nickname almost. Oh, like the term for that idea. Yeah. Oh, like a yeah. co- colloquialism. Oh, colloquialism. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. it. I'm sure. I'm sure Pythos will correct me if that's not right. <laughs> Anyway, I liked Jump Up. Sorry, I went on a 10-minute rant about it. I really liked it, too. And I liked, in addition to what you were saying, it's like how it's like a a different world because they have different things. And it's also like, yeah, they are naming the flowers these things in this area. And it sort of like gives a vibe to how that area is versus other areas in that world. Plus, you... uh, Okay, I'm going to harp on Jump Up some more because... It, like, sort of just hit me that this is, like, the first indications of spring after this really long, awful winter they've been having. And these first flowers are called jump-ups, which sort of implies they're, like, the first emergence of life after winter happens. Mm -hmm. God damn it, Robert Jordan. And Maiden's Sometimes his writing... And Maiden's Sometimes I'm just, like, so impressed by the, the little choices he makes that I feel like really add a lot to the story. Yeah, I just wanted to put that in there because I also loved just the whole the whole setting, the scene. He does a really good job of that all yeah. the time. So Perrin is loving the change in scenery, but what he's not loving is he's sensing the wolves still around. Um, he's been trying to mm. fight it, and he's been trying to resist it, but he's having a really hard time, and it's sort of noticeable to Moraine and Lan, and they're following Lan's path, who is up ahead following Rand's path, path. So <laughs> Lan is up ahead following Rand's path and he's leaving signs behind him so that this group of three can follow his path. That makes more sense. Yep. And yes. it's actually kind of cool the way they describe it. It reminds me of like, well, I'll just I'll just read it. Um, so as they're following, Perrin is noticing all the signs and it says, nothing but Lan's signs. A tuft of grass or weeds tied one way to say to bear left, another for bear right. A bent branch, a pile of pebbles for a rough climb ahead, two leaves caught on a thorn for a steep descent. The warder had a hundred signs, it seemed to Perrin, and Moraine knew them all. And I thought that was like so Troop Beverly Hills, Eagle Scouts. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing. It's very crafty. I thought it was really, yeah, right? Like, you know, they don't just say like, oh, they're following his trail. They actually say like, oh, he's doing these practical things and that's how they're following the trail. Again, the little details. Love it. I want to also point out that that means like Lan is writing back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, which must be really tiring for oh. him and his horse. But yeah, I thought it was really um, just a really cool detail. And they're following along. And even though Lan is so helpful and doing all of this, Moraine is getting really frustrated because he's making them stop every night at nightfall for some reason he doesn't feel like it's safe as they're arguing about it when she's particularly peeved she threatens to send him to Mirel. that's the Aes Sedai that we heard her say like oh I guess you know after I'm gone that's who you're going to be promised to right yes okay I was just making sure I got the vibe here because then Perrin is like who's she 
And <laughs> she's like, um, that's for me to know and you to find out. <laughs> and you to find out. <laughs> so they're traveling and they don't have time to rest really since they set up every nightfall. And so they describe the food they're eating a little bit. Mm. They're eating mm-hmm. rabbit based. They're eating multiple mm. rabbit type dishes. I wanted to ask you if you've ever eaten rabbit. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm I I think I have tasted either duck or rabbit and I can't remember which. Oh, I love duck. I also have to tell you on our other pod- podcast I talked a lot about Sinisterhood, one of the true crimey sort of podcasts that I listen to and really really like. There's an episode where one of them reveals to the other that she was tricked into eating capybara, you know the big rodents. Oh my god. And and she and her co-host like just screams, oh my God, you monster. <laughs> like she's like horrified that she ate a big sweet capybara. And uh, it's just, it's such a golden moment in that podcast. I rewound and listened to it several times. Uh, I, I second that recommendation. Uh, also a big fan of Sinisterhood. Gotta listen to it. Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. I have had rabbit once when I was younger my dad brought it home and he gave us this, like, we were eating this food. That he when had you say brought it home, friend. do you mean like oh, from no. the grocery store or no. like from the woods? <laughs> he, I think his friend had cooked a rabbit dish and given him some to take home. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He didn't like bring home a rabbit with like the ears in his hand and said, here he is. Oh, <laughs> poor guy. No, not like that. So, but yeah, we did eat it. And I do remember him telling us it was a rabbit afterwards and us being horrified. But I After? Yeah. <gasps> Oh my god. Right, and I don't remember how it tasted or anything. I just remember being like shocked that I tasted it. I didn't even know if we had the whole thing. It might have just been like a like jerky or something. But I remember specifically him bringing home food, us eating it, and then him saying it was a rabbit. Did you cry? I probably, How old were you? I was probably, you know, seven, seven or eight. Sad. I know. Poor bunny. I mean, whatever. I would probably try a rabbit dish these days. I don't know if that makes me sound horrible, but I would try it. No, I think a lot of people eat rabbit. I mean, it's served in, like, restaurants, so. Right? Right? Rabbit stew. (laughs) Isn't that, like, a thing? I'm, uh, people eat lots of rabbit. I want to try it. Go for it. (laughs) Do it. Okay. I'll let you know. I'll let everybody know when I try the rabbit. I'll I'll keep it to myself. So, that's what they're eating, which I think sounds like, you know, better than... What they've been eating. So I'm glad they're getting some kind of meat, some kind of sustenance. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they describe this really cute scene of how Loyal and Perrin sometimes will catch trout. Because Perrin's the one doing all the hunting. He's using a slingshot to catch the rabbit. And every once in a while when they're near like a river or a body of water, Perrin and Loyal will go and lay on their bellies at the stream and try to catch trout. Which I think is the cutest little thing. Like two little best friends and i kind of like picture it's such a cute moment right it would be like a beautiful somebody who wants to write a love story between loyal and perrin then somebody else needs to draw it as a very sweet little cartoon where you see like little stars and in their eyes and little hearts around them yes and like just this like a little drawing of the two of them from behind like laying on their stomachs like at the river yeah so cute Because Perrin's like a little so wolf cute. boy, so he's kind of like, they're like buddies. They're both Precious. a little bit different, you know, and they both understand yes. each other. I don't know. I love it. Yeah. 
And as they're describing this scene, they say that Moraine comes over and tries to do it with them. And they're like, okay, you know, you can join us, but, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. It's really, like, requires finesse. There's a certain level of experience. Eventually, you'll probably catch a fish, but... And she's like, oh, okay, I got three. Three huge fish. And they're like, <laughs> um, how did you do that? And she's like, like this. And she just basically reaches in and pulls them out like nothing. And they're like, yep. okay, let's move on. Meanwhile, Perrin was like, we could sit here all day and I'll probably get two tiny fish. So he's shocked, probably feeling like appalled. And Loyal's like, hey, she's nice to die, bro. Listen, wolf brother. She can... <laughs> she's a woman of many talents and secrets. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Where have you, why, what is the shocking to you that Maureen is doing something unexplained? Right. And poor, I almost called him poor Rain. Perrin is about to ask. That's their, that's their, that's their uh, fan fiction. <laughs> poor Rain. Sounds like poutine. Poor Rain. So Perrin is about to ask Maureen to clean the fish because that's been the rule. Like you catch the fish, you clean them. And then it says, Quote, there was no particular expression on her smooth face, but her dark eyes did not waver, and they appeared to know what he was going to say and have dismissed it out of hand already. <laughs> I was like, she basically gives him a look that says, don't try me, bitch. Exactly. I was like, you are an icon <laughs> for that moment alone. If she had like sunglasses, she would have just lowered them onto her nose and then slowly put them back up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then Loyal and Perrin start, you know, doing the job instead. And they're kind of talking shit about her. And Perrin's basically like, I can't believe we have to do this. And Loyal's telling him, well, this is probably retaliation because you have a smart mouth. And, you know, she is having us, she's trying to get us back in the habit of doing things as she says. And she'll probably have us in that habit soon enough at this rate. And then out of nowhere, like Tuxedo Mask, Lan appears saying, <laughs> a habit you should have never lost. Burn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Ooh, I was... He just like hops out of the side of the frame. Look, like, uh, hello. And then he's like gone. And he's like, let's go. I was like, oh my gosh. Perrin now is noticing that no matter how hard he tries to resist or refuse on this journey to do things and to do these tasks like cleaning the fish and, and all even like desaddling horses and all this stuff. Moraine just has this way of persuading him to her will. Yeah, and Perrin is a lot... He's he, he's much more logical, I think, than Rand. Like, Rand is very much the stubborn, like, I'm going to do the opposite of what you tell me, and then realizes, okay, maybe you were right. Like, you know, he's much more of that personality, so I think she just has to interact with him really differently. Yeah. I will say, in this chapter, especially, I feel like Perrin is very Rand-like. And... It's like he's so resistant, and I just want him to just... The wolves have never done him wrong. The wolves have never done him wrong yet. So... No, but the next chapter is going to be interesting. Yeah, exactly. And that's basically where my chapter ends. They um, they arrive at Jara or Jara? Jara, right? I just say Jara. Okay, yeah. They arrive at Jara, which and is also... near Amadicia, and yeah, that's the end. I was going to say, and also we could say it any fucking way we want because we're never coming back to this town. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Jara it is. I mean, there's lots of cities like that over over the course of the book series, I think. How about Amadicia? Do we see that city again? Oh, for sure. Yeah, because that's the capital of the Children of the Light. Okay, good. Because I like that name, Amadicia. 
Amadicia. <laughs> it kind of sounds like Rock Me Amadeus, which mm. I'm not going to lie, is a song that I secretly enjoy. Oh, I, I, I outwardly enjoy that song. <laughs> Great. I need to listen to that. I, I've been... <laughs> Don't you love those moments where you like re-remember a song that you like and you get to like re sort of like re-experience the joy of it? Absolutely. For the first time. Yes. And especially when you can remember a a good portion of the words still. It's the best. Yes. I mean, I'm really good with lyrics and I almost always know all of them. So. Oh, yeah. That's so you. No brag. I mean, I think it's because I'm a music psychic bringing it back full circle. Uh, I'm going to say that you've at least messed up lyrics in one of the seasons of this podcast. So being a music psychic is a pretty lofty claim. I thought, I literally thought you were about to say in one of your drag performances and I was oh. going to hang up on you. How dare, <laughs> no, that, you are a flawless, flawless lip syncer. Well, great job on chapter seven. Thanks. Now let's go to chapter eight. Let's do it. Which is called Jara. <laughs> the sigil for this chapter is a wolf because we are still with Perrin. It's a very Perrin heavy book so far. Yeah. So they're walking to Jara, and immediately they're like, what happened in this town? Because it looks like a Van Wilder film, like the set of a Van Wilder film. There's like beer bottles everywhere and like underwear hanging from a flagpole and Chandeliers. all kinds of things. That, uh, <laughs> On the ground. Yes. <laughs> People have been wearing lampshades as hat. They're passed out by the side of the road right now. Perrin sniffs the air. And smells the fragrance of sweet wine and spiced cakes. And I was wondering, have we ever discussed what we think a spiced cake tastes like? Mm, No, but I'd love to. (laughs) I would too. I have my vision already since I like have been thinking about this. Well, before you tell me your vision, I just want to say spice cake. Any type of spice cake is like one of my favorite cakes of all time. So Mm. I was excited. Oh, really? Yes. Of all time. One wow. of my absolute okay. favorite. If, if that's an option when I go someplace and they're like, oh, here's like, you know, five cakes we have, I would I would pick spice cake if they had it. Would Does that include like carrot cake for you? Mm, yes and no. Carrot cake's kind of like its own special thing. But it's definitely like a spice cake. If it's going to, if we're going to put it in a category, then yes. Cake spice, by the, by the way, is the uh, missing seventh spice girl. <laughs> she was, you know, there, there was a, actually, it would be sixth because there's only five of them. <laughs> I took a guess. I couldn't remember. I've never really liked them. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that and tell you that before there were the current five, there was a there was another um, Spice, Barrel, Spice Girl cast that I think... A Spice Girl? <laughs> yeah, her name was, her name was Burl. Burl. <laughs> Burl, comma, Milton. She was Milton. Muscle Spice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Milton Burl as a Spice Girl is way better. <laughs> so, okay, so Spice Cake for you is like what? I like... I would put it in a bunt type, type shape, ideally, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. And then it would be, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be as fluffy or like, it's not like fluffy, but it's not super dense like a It would be cake. more like, almost more like bready, grainy kind of texture? Yes, yes. Like, yeah, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then it would be cinnamon, like cloves, nutmeg, cardamom, all of these types of spices. Like, uh, almost like a chai yeah. spice. Like, the kind of spices you get in, like, oh. a chai. And then okay. it yeah. would have a glaze. Or, like, it would have a frosting, but it wouldn't be oh. a heavy frosting. It would be either be, like, a glaze or, like, like a... Like a transparent kind of glaze on it. Yeah, like a tr- like a translucent. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it would be some sort of, like... Mm. Like, maybe a citrus glaze? Almost like an orange glaze. <gasps> yes. Oh, my God! 
<sighs> I'm not just a music psychic. Okay. okay. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> I I agree. And now that I'm thinking about it, the orange glaze is really ideal. Yeah, I think it borders on a bread. Mm-hmm. And in the way that like pumpkin bread is a bread. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. You know? So I, I kind of envision it as pumpkin bready, which I will admit I could be biased because I have been having pumpkin bread for breakfast every single morning for like the past three and a half weeks. I love pumpkin bread. I baked a bunch of it and I've just been eating a bunch of pumpkin muffins <laughs> and also buying Starbucks pumpkin bread. <laughs> My recipe has orange juice in it. And so when you said like an orange glaze, I was thinking about how delicious something like a like so just v- very sweet, light citrusy glaze on top of it would be delicious oh my god a pumpkin muffin with orange juice in the recipe that sounds amazing so perrin also starts to smell something in the air a a terrible odor that raises the hair on the back of his neck with its vileness and then it was gone and he thinks to himself please don't let it be rand please don't let it be rand and like hoping that it's this terrible smell isn't rand going mad basically what does he think he's gonna like transform into? Well, I mean, just like he has the ability to channel and is slowly going insane. Yeah, and I guess I mean, urine smells like violence. I mean, I know that's not what like the same thing, but I guess it's kind of like that, like bad feelings. So, this smell. Mm. I would like to hear from the listeners on what you think this smell is. And I would like to hear from you, Matt, on what you think this smell is. I suspect that the smell is someone following Rand that we don't know about. Okay. And oh, okay. I would Okay. I don't I don't know who it is. Like I don't know if it's like anyone we've met yet or if it's just a dark friend or another one of the Forsaken or what, but I think it's something bad following yeah. Rand. So I will say, this won't spoil what you think, but I will say we never really get the explanation for what the vile smell is. And I have my own theories about it, but I'm I'm interested to hear what other people think it is too. Hmm, okay. I think, so later on in this chapter, we learned that there are white cloaks or have been white cloaks in this town recently. And remember, Padon Fane is with, the leader of the white cloaks right now doing his like magical poison spreading Mm -hmm. influence and so i think that that's what this smell is about is about a a sort of corruption of the white cloaks interesting that's my theory i would i would would be really interested to hear people say if they totally disagree with me or not yeah let me know what they say because i won't be on twitter (laughs) okay great so they make their way toward a nearby inn, and they see a man who Perrin rudely thinks looks like a frog, <laughs> and his name is Simeon. Simeon <laughs> welcomes them, and Moraine is like, so what's been going on in your town? Why does it look like a frat party? And Simeon replies, why? Oh, and Moraine is like, did you have a wedding? And not a frat party. And Simeon replies, why we've had a lifetime of weddings, a plague of them, all in the last two days. There isn't a woman old enough to speak the betrothal remains unmarried, not in the whole village, not for a mile in any direction. Why even widow Jorath dragged old Bannis through the arches and they'd have both sworn that they'd never, and they'd both sworn they'd never marry again. It was like a whirlwind just snatched everybody up. Perrin 
is like, great, I don't give a shit about this. <laughs> Have you seen a man? And starts to describe Rand. And Moraine is like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> and Lan makes like a little secret signal at Perrin that's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Simeon has never seen an Ogier before and kind of gops at Loyal and asks Moraine what it is. Uh, so which rude. Loyal is kind of horrified by. Super rude. Anyway, I was thinking about this a lot earlier because I was like, what would I think if I had just built, like, if I saw a werewolf? I mean, I'd probably be pretty either shocked or scared. Fair. And I'm not saying Loyal's a werewolf, but I'm just saying, like, imagining a fantastical creature. But what if it wasn't a werewolf? What if it was a... um... Give me a, give me an example. Okay. What if (laughs) I like how you're trying to, and I'm yelling at you. Do it, Matt. Well, you know why? Because a werewolf is obvious. I'm going to do it. (laughs) A werewolf is scary, so obviously you're going to be scared. What if you're in like the a a wood nymph or something? Yeah, exactly. Would you be like horrified? I think if I saw a wood nymph, I think I would honestly think I was actually like hallucinating. (laughs) I I think about this far too often, but I think if I saw something that I literally didn't think was real... My first thought would be, oh my god, I am I'm having like a a psychotic episode or whatever that uh when you think something is real and it's not, I forget what that's called. I would have probably the same reaction, but in the back of my mind I'd be like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> this is why those episodes of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Charmed where they have this whole episode storyline where they're like oh actually none of your life is real you're not super powered you're living inside a mental hospital those kinds of episodes man they fuck me up because i would be so like you if suddenly i thought i could shoot lightning out of my hands or something magical i'd be like this is fucking awesome right but then also chances are it's probably not real and i probably am hallucinating (laughs) So this guy asks what Loyal is, and Maureen explains he's an Ogier, and they start to head into the inn to get rooms there for the night. And they walk in, and again, it's kind of like the after, like the aftermath of a frat party. Everybody in there looks like they've been ridden hard and put away wet. <laughs> and the guy is kind of like still muttering about Ogier and says that at least Ogier are better than white cloaks. And Lan and Maureen are like what do you mean about white cloaks? And apparently there had been some white cloaks in Jara recently and they were kind of acting like dicks and kind of being weird. They would, um, you know, grab at women and say rude things. And Simeon also says that three of them just like up and forswore their oaths, which are lifetime oaths and just rode away. And I like to imagine that they did that together into the sunset as a gay atheist thruple. Oh, I love that. But we never get that storyline, which is unfortunate. The former White Cloak gay atheist thruple. Not yet. Not yet. We'll, we'll have time on Prime. Honestly. So uh, Perrin asks Simeon, like, why didn't you stop them from being assholes? And Simeon replies, well, we're not all muscle-bound hotties with big axes. Some of us are just like plain farm folk. He talks about how two white cloaks even started trying to set fire to the village, claiming Jara was full of dark friends. But the other white cloaks stopped them, and they all eventually kind of like rode out toward back toward Amadisia. And Lan notes that this is pretty rough behavior, even for white cloaks. So again, we'll let's talk. Let's come back to what's going on with the white cloaks at the end of this chapter because I want to talk about okay. that. So they head upstairs, and Simeon shows them to their rooms, and. 
the minute that Maureen is out of earshot, Perrin is like, hey, have you seen my friend Rand? Even though both Maureen and Lan were just like, shut the fuck up. <sighs> they just think they know better all the time, these boys. I mean, it's like a shut the fuck up only lasts for about 12 <laughs> seconds and then they have to renew it. It's It's really like... They cannot get mad for the way Moraine is not telling them information and keeping things from them because look how they act when they get even the the (laughs) slightest bit of agency. It's true. It's true. You're right. She's like, why would I trust you with information when your favorite thing to do is gossip? You're a gossip, Karen Exactly. So the guy or Simeon says, oh, yeah, I've seen that guy. He was playing the flute. He talks about how hot Rand was. And then he asks Perrin, oh, is he your friend? Perrin says, well, why do you, like, why do you ask? Why do you ask if he's my friend? And Simeon says, well, oh, you know, no reason, really. He was just, like, acting kind of weird, talking to himself, screamed to himself awake in the middle of the night, and talked about somebody chasing him and how he had to be the first one to kill him. But no, no big deal. I'm sure he's, like, probably a really nice guy. Don't worry about it. And Perrin's response to this is to say, like, oh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. We're going to take care of him. We're going to get him the help he needs. It's all good. This is all the evidence that Simeon needs to, like, basically say, like, I knew it. I knew that Moraine could help my brother know him. And Perrin, being very uncoy, is like, well, what makes you think she can help him? (laughs) They're not. These boys are so, like, they cannot read a room. They have no game they're not <laughs> slick at all even he's Perrin. got no political savvy at this point None. yeah so noam says that he once traveled as far as Jah- Jahana and saw two women like her and says it's said that they can raise the dead and loyal's like is your brother dead because we definitely can't help him if he's dead <laughs> which is literally like the only thing he says in this entire chapter is like oh no we can't help the dead Perrin says Okay, I'll I'll go talk to Maureen for you. I'll go I'll go see if she'll help your brother. Sneaks out of the room, which wouldn't you first ask like, well, what's wrong with him? Right, and why would you what's blow, wrong with your brother? Why would you blow her cover? Why wouldn't you be like, I don't know exactly. what it is you think she can do, but I could tell her your brother's sick. Like you could still pretend like you don't know she's an Aes Sedai. Correct. You could be like, oh, Maureen is a very kind and generous woman. Perhaps she can do something for your brother before we leave town. Like, you know, there's a better way to say than like, let me go see if she can heal him. Yeah. Perrin walks over to Maureen's room. And in my mind, he basically like opens the door and at the top of his lungs, as he's like swinging the door open, shouts, so Rand was here, (laughs) the guy we're looking for. (laughs) And they're both like, would you shut up? It's so accurate. And Perrin is kind of annoyed and is like, well, listen, if you, if I hadn't asked about Rand, we wouldn't know that Simeon told me he's heading east toward Tyr. And he, that he had been here and he had left town heading toward Tyr. And Moraine is like, actually, I knew before you said anything that he was here. And once I heard about the White Cloaks, I was certain that he had been here. And Perrin says, like, what do you mean? Like, is his madness catching? Is he... And Moraine says, not his madness, if he is far enough gone yet to be called mad. Perrin, he is more strongly Taverin than anyone since the Age of Legends. Yesterday in this village, the pattern moved, shaped itself around him like clay shaped on a mold. The weddings, the White Cloaks, these were enough to say Rand had been here for anyone who knew to listen. 
So part of the White Cloak's weird behavior, I think, can be attributed to the fact that Rand is Taveran and is kind of like warping the pattern around him in strange ways. Because Lance says, it is said that there are times when people in the same room with Hawkwing spoke truth when they meant to lie, made decisions they had not even known they were contemplating. Times when every toss of dice, every turn of the cards went his way, but only times. Perrin then sasses Moraine and... She outsasses him, of course, because she's a sass master. <laughs> and he remembers the whole reason he came in here in the first place, which was to say, like, oh, yeah, by the way, Simeon knows you're an Aes Sedai and his brother needs your help. And Moraine and Lan have this, like, secret psychic conversation when they make eye contact. And she's like, no, you don't have to. And basically, Perrin is like, oh, my God, Lan was, like, literally ready to kill Simeon to keep this secret. And Moraine is like, do you really think I would do that? (laughs) (laughs) Kinda. Yeah. They grab Simeon and Perrin, Moraine, and Simeon head out to find his brother, Noam. They head out through a little alleyway in the back to a little shed. And inside is this basically kind of like hastily made prison with a man inside who's barefoot and his shirt and pants are all ripped up. And Perrin thinks he smells pretty bad. Uh, Don't kick a man while he's down, Perrin. Honestly. Have a little sympathy. Noam, so this is Noam, and he looks up at Perrin, and Perrin is like, fuck my fucking life, because Noam has bright golden eyes. Mm. And Simeon says, he's been talking crazy almost a year, good mistress, saying he could could talk with wolves, and his eyes, well, he'd talk about it when he'd drink too much. Everybody laughed at him. Then a month or so ago, he didn't come to town. I went out to see what was the matter, and I found him like this. Perrin starts to reach out with his wolf GPS and instinctively kind of feels Gnome as though he is a wolf and feels this chaotic jumble of what he describes as desires and images, but more wolf than anything else. Perrin gets a touch of the vapors and starts to kind of like get woozy and leans against the wall. While Moraine, like, yanks the lock off the door and just, like, heads inside while Simeon is like, um, he killed a cow with his teeth the other day. And (laughs) be careful. (laughs) Moraine is, like, all men are dangerous. Amen, sister. And when she walks in, he starts to, like, bare his teeth and growl at her. And RJ says he had a, a rumble that deepened till his whole body quivered. But again, because Maureen is a boss, he trails off into a whimper and she like quickly touches the sides of his head and then walks out and closes the door behind her without saying anything. Noam throws himself against it, snarling and biting at the bars. And Maureen t- says to Simeon that she's sorry she can't help him. She says, healing is not a simple matter, Simeon, and it comes from within as much as the healer. There is nothing here that remembers being Noam, nothing that remembers being a man. There are no maps remaining to show him the path back, and nothing left to take that path. Noam is gone, Simeon. And Simeon, number one, I I just really liked how that was written. I thought those were beautiful word choices and a beautiful analogy. Yeah. And Simeon is immediately like, thank you, I know you would have done something if you could have, which I just, I like Simeon. Yeah. Controversial. Really? It's not controversial. Oh, nobody, nobody has any nobody has opinions on this man at all. He <laughs> does not matter. Besides this chapter. Noam calms down and is RJ writes that he was staring at Perrin panting, and I wrote same. Porain Porain. Oh, oh my god, it. I did it too. <laughs> 
They really, it's a, lo- a match made it's in catching. heaven. Perrin grabs the lock off the gate and says to Simeon that he should choose whether Noam goes free or not because he, you know, Simeon is thinking, I'll keep him safe in this cage. And Perrin says, he'll die in this cage. He might die out in the world, but he'll die in this cage. Wolves can't be caged. And so Simeon says he should be free. And so they open the cage and Noam runs out on all fours into the night. And Simeon jokes about how they'll say he turned into a wolf, fur and all. And Perrin thinks to himself, he may not have fur, but he's a wolf. He's a wolf, not man. Light, help me. And Simeon comments... At this point, Simeon, I just kind of imagine like a conversation to midair that's sort of like, so by the way, I heard a story about how the White Cloaks were looking for a dark friend with yellow eyes and his name was Perrin Ibarra and he was a blacksmith. (laughs) And Perrin is like, do you think this Perrin Ibarra is a dark friend? And Simeon is like, a dark friend wouldn't care if my brother died in a cage. I suppose she found you soon after it happened, in time to help. I wish she'd come to Jara a few months ago. And Perrin, so I love, I just like that conversation, theoretical conversation, hypothetical conversation that they're having. (laughs) And Perrin is like, fuck, if white cloaks are looking for me and people know white cloaks are looking for me, like people are going to notice my golden eyes the minute I, he's so vain. He thinks everybody's going to notice his eyes when he walks in the room. Perrin, ain't and nobody looking so at he, your eyes. <laughs> they're looking at that ass. <laughs> so Perrin asks if Simeon will bring his dinner to his room so that he doesn't have to be seen by people. And Simeon, in just like a really sweet, kind moment, is like, I'll even bring your breakfast too so that nobody has to see you until you leave. And Perrin ends the chapter by saying, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. And then they stroll off arm in arm. That part didn't happen, but that's how I like to picture it. That and my gay atheist thruple. I like it. I like the side stories. Thank you. I appreciate that. I like, I've given, I feel like if you're a fanfic writer, I have given you several golden nugget opportunities just off of this chapter. I agree. I like doing that actually with, um... With books or movies and stuff, when a character kind of, like, disappears, I like to imagine what they actually... What are you doing now? Went off and did. Yeah. Like, I... There's a... You know how in romantic comedies, this this is a common trope, there's, like, a couple, and they break up, and they're gone apart for a long time, and then they find each other again, and they get back together, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what? Have I seen a romantic comedy? Yes. <laughs> well, you don't... But what happens to that guy that... Or the girl who gets dumped... Um, yeah, they just disappear and no one even cares. And I always think to myself, like that person has to cancel their wedding. They have to call their whole family and tell them, uh, yeah, um, Rachel McAdams got back together with her ex-boyfriend from when she was a teenager and canceled their wedding in a few days. So sorry, mom. There's like, there's a movie or a TV quote that when you were saying like, what do they, what happens to them? What do they say? My first thought was you used me for sex and. That's a quote from like a movie or a TV show, and I can't remember what it is. Oh, I don't know. You used me for sex. I feel like it's a man saying it. Oh my god, I've got it. Okay, it's from Sex in the City. Carrie is like kind of on like a, a dating spree, I think, and she hooks up with this guy, and he is terrible, terrible, terrible in bed. And then the next time they see each other, she's kind of like, listen, I don't. 
I'm not doing this again. We're, I don't want to see you anymore. And he's like, you used me for sex. And then like walks off screen and she like pause it. Like you can see like she's contemplating the meaning of reality. And then is like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> you were terrible in bed. What do you mean I was using you for sex? Anyway. That was that's good that you from. got that. I'm glad that I could resolve that. Thank you. I'm proud of myself. Well, what, um, what was well, your favorite part of the chapters? Oh, good question. So we got the chapter where they walk down the mountain. I feel like because I talked about jump ups for like a solid 45 minutes, <laughs> I would have to, I like I'm forced to pick that. But I do actually think it's a really good moment, even though it's so insignificant. Like it's just world building that I really appreciate. But I do like that we have gotten a lot of Perrin's anxiety about the wolves in previous chapters. And then this to me sort of stands out as the first time that's like, oh, actually Perrin kind of has something to be anxious about. Yeah. It's the first time I'm like, oh, wow. Just kind of like how Rand feels like he has no control over becoming the dragon and ultimately possibly dying in one way or another. Now it's sort of like Perrin has that same fear. Like Mm -hmm. I have no control over this whole wolf thing. And ultimately that's my future. And I, I can't do anything about it. Right. He's like, I'm I'm sitting here running around worried that Rand is going mad and like shit, I could be going mad. <laughs> yeah. I could be a wolf man on all fours running into the night right now. But I I I would argue like can't he remember Elias who is far older than them and has been the same as him for far longer and is living a life that is not, you know, completely lost who he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he has another so example I think of what could be. N- he does, but, uh, you know, it's not like he can easily go find Elias, and it's not like, like, he has no access to what is the difference between Elias and Noam. Mm. How did these two fates happen, and how the fuck do I go the Elias route? <laughs> you know, he should just get on that wolf GPS again and be like, hey, can someone hook me up with Elias, whatever you call him? Can someone find that guy for mm. me? <laughs> Get on the party line. Yeah, stop just being a, like a listener and make the call this time. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> That's Perrin. That is Perrin with the wolves. He's a long time listener, first time caller. That is. That is. What was your favorite part? Um, my favorite part, I think, is the the overall description that oh. Moraine gave about what was going on with the white cloaks in the city. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the like all of those different things the and and the weddings the weddings and then the white cloaks like giving up their oaths and i just think it's really interesting it's such such an unexpected detail it's it's really Mm -hmm. thought-provoking i have a lot of things i'm thinking about it but i'm not really sure what it exactly means and it just got me really thinking so i guess that's my favorite part so a question mark for this chapter is sort of what's going on with the white cloaks Because I think we have a couple of options to choose from here. And maybe it's multiple. But option number one is Rand's Taveran pull made the White Cloaks behave really oddly. And I I do buy that. I think that that's absolutely a, a valid factor. Number two is my theory of Fane's corruption of the White Cloaks. Number three, which we haven't talked about, is the 
Jara is full of dark friends, let's burn it down, is somebody who heard about Noam and his golden eyes and thought it was Perrin. Oh. Because remember, the dark friends are hunting a man with golden eyes named Perrin, and they're probably thinking like, oh, wait, what do you mean there's a man with gold eyes here in town? This place is dark, full of dark friends. We got to burn it down. I do think that could also be a third explanation that, again, we don't really get, and it's not super significant to the story. But I I was like, as we were reading it, I was like, oh, that could also be a factor for their strange behavior. I had a fourth theory. Ooh, okay. Okay, so... Is it aliens? It's aliens! No, <laughs> no, because remember you mentioned that Lan had said right afterwards that Archer Hawkwing, it's been said that people that were in the same room as him would do things that they couldn't explain. Yeah. And all the things that they were doing seemed to be like like telling truths that they didn't intend to, that kind of thing. So yes, it yeah. makes me f- behavior they wouldn't have chosen normally. Yeah, and this was right after Moraine says that Archer Hawkwing moved the pattern and, and his thread was like more powerful than anyone prior to Rand. And we know that Rand right. is like shifting the pattern. And that makes me think that, you know how we know, or I guess how they described it, the portal stones take you to like other possibilities or what ifs. Uh-huh. And that yeah. in all of these other what ifs, then we're supposing that, you know, there's a line of like fate that each person is following down in each what if. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, like the the multiverse basically yes. exists and it's sort of like the different paths and choices. It's sliding doors. Yes. <laughs> so, what sliding doors really explained the multiverse perfectly. I, I put that movie on our list. I haven't seen that movie since. I was Did a you? Kid. I want to see that again. I I, re, I remember really liking it, but I don't know if it's any good actually. That should be when we all watch together then. <laughs> Cuz me oh, and Davey fun. are going to me and Davey want to watch it. So, that could be one. I'm sure we do. could get Miles to watch it. I think he I think he liked that movie. That sounds like a Miles movie. But I'm thinking that since so Arthur Hawkwing, when he's in the room with these other people, and he had the stronger pull of Tiberin, I'm wondering if it messed with the wheel. And since he was shifting his, like, the pattern, what if the strength of whatever that is altered the people around him to do things that would have been a different what if? Does that make sense? Like, he's shifting the pattern, so maybe around him, sort of, things get a little bit blurry. Because, like, I don't know how time exactly works, but... Because it says huh. that people were telling truths that they wouldn't normally have told. So maybe it like released them of like some of the binds of this like what ma- if. And, Interesting. and now so like, like they're doing something they would have they would have done in another reality. Interesting. So like the the pull of Taverin like thins the boundaries between the multiverse and leads people to make choices that they would have made in alternate realities. Yeah. So like those three white cloaks that huh. that gave up their oaths. Maybe they just woke up and snapped. The gay atheist thruple. <laughs> exactly. Maybe in whatever reality they were in, the circumstances that led to them becoming white cloaks didn't happen, and so now with huh. um, Rand in town, time has changed, and they're sort of like opening their eyes and being like what the hell am i doing this is not what that what is i'm going in love with I'm kevin out of here and roger <laughs> by the way i like that their names are kevin and roger could oh we, I could it. i have picked two names that were like less likely to be in this book series <laughs> Stephen phil but that was my sort of okay. thought process and i thought it was more extreme I'm... this time because rand is more extreme so the the white cloaks burning down the city was them <laughs> losing it like they don't understand what happened like they're they suddenly are in a reality that they don't recognize hmm. interesting 
I think that's a really interesting way to, to think about the way that a Taveran could affect the pattern around them. I will say that it's not necessarily a a way that Robert Jordan describes it, but I think, I mean, what you're describing is still like the same results. It's just kind of a slightly different description of how we get to that place. Mm-hmm. But basically, yeah, the the Taveran just like really alter chance around them. So people do like things happen and people do things that wouldn't normally happen. Like the thing that has like a one in 1,000th chance of happening happens or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, but I do think that's interesting to think about like maybe it, maybe Maybe the way they all talk about the pattern is incorrect, and maybe your theory about the thinning of the multiverse is more accurate. Who knows? Who knows? This book's got you talking. Who knows? Got us thinking. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I'm thinking. I'm talking. (laughs) Don't know if I'm thinking. So if you would like, if you like our podcast and you would like to help our podcast, it would really help us out if you could rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to us. Yeah, and honestly... Word of mouth is like the best way for us to find new fans and find new Wheel of Time fans to connect with. So if you have a friend out there that you think might be interested in anything we have to say, then tag them. We would love that. <laughs> if they want to hear theories about the multiverse, this is the destination. Spice Cake. What other podcast are you going to get Spice Cake and the multiverse? None. Our social media is Cool Story Pod on instagram cool story pod one on twitter and you can email us at coolstorypod at gmail.com we love getting emails if you want to write us any thoughts about the multiverse or pumpkin spice bread feel free and uh, if you email us there's a good chance we will read it on the podcast so make sure you indicate whether or not you want us to read it and also give us your name and pronouns so we can refer to you properly yes and if you know any other podcasts out there or hey if you are another podcast out there and you think you would be interested in collaborating with us or you think that you hear a podcast that's a similar vibe, we're talking to you, Sinisterhood. <laughs> uh, let us know. <laughs> let them know. Try to connect us in some way. We would we would love, love, love to, to connect with other, uh, with other communities out there. That's right. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. I will say it's an old recipe I had and I made it and I had been eating so much of Starbucks that when I made it, I was kind of like, oh, I kind of want to modify my recipe a little bit. Like the orange juice part is great, but I think I want to up the spice and up the pumpkin a little bit next time. Uh. Just FYI for everybody (laughs) who cares about my pumpkin bread baking. (laughs) Wow. Why did I think that was interesting to share? I'm interested. I'm glad I know. We got like a tweet in like a few days after the episode, like, please update on the pumpkin bread recipe. Was it good? dying to know if it's if i if i change it and it's really really good i will share the recipe with everyone can we take a can we just take a quick break i want to grab some water yes i'm back welcome back i just got some water myself oh great do you have ice in your water no i don't want it to make noise because i'm drinking out of like a hydro flasky thing oh yeah are you a, are you a person who likes really really cold water usually though it depends most of the time i like it to be like cold like from the fridge at I don't need ice, but it needs to be, like, very cold. But if I'm, like, dying of thirst, I actually like room temperature water. Like, if I'm really, really thirsty, because I could drink a lot more of it. So I actually prefer it room temperature if I'm really thirsty. (laughs) I mean, you asked. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I'm not sure which is more interesting, me talking about my pumpkin bread or you talking about the preferred temperature of water. Wow. Oh, that's funny. I fully intended to cut at least a portion of the pumpkin bread conversation out, but now, now I'm not. I th- yeah, I don't think you should. So Perrin is smelling spiced cakes and sweet wine. Are you going to be okay? <laughs> I had completely forgotten why we were talking about any of this. Any of this. So for you to just go. Okay, okay, okay. So Perrin is eating spice cake. <laughs> Not even eating, he's just smelling it. He's just smelling it. Oh, I need a moment. Hold on. Ooh, now I need to okay. take a sip of water. That really got me.